Okay, Daniel chapter 1, verses 10 through 21. This will finish up the first chapter of Daniel for us. And so as we go through these few verses, we're going to look at how Daniel managed, Daniel and his friends managed to persuade the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to have a special diet, to not uh, have to eat the foods that would have been offensive to him, would have gone against God's law, law for him as a Jew. Uh, Daniel was able to win the eunuch over. He was able to persuade him. And we're going to look at exactly how that was done and just the, the very co uh, godly character that's involved there in that. So let's read through those verses. Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 21. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner, and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought into the chief of the eunuch, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus, Daniel continued until the first year of the king of Cyrus. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much once again. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this example you give us of Daniel and his friends and how they were able to use godly wisdom to ensure their obedience, to, to reason with those who were over them. Lord, to make a good impression and be blessed by you and put in a place where they would have greater authority and greater influence for your sake. And Father, I just pray that we all take a lesson from this and that you open our hearts to your word. And we thank you ahead of time for what you will show us and what you will teach us. Lord, do with us as you will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. 
So the first thing Daniel's going to have to do here is overcome the king's fear. He, the, the, I mean, the eunuch's fear. He had a fear of the king, and rightly so. The king was his superior. These, the, these kings uh, did not like to be disobeyed or crossed. It could easily mean death if somebody were not to follow the king's order to the letter. Um, they didn't like any dissension, and they certainly didn't put up with it. So it's understandable that he had a fear of the king. And, and the flip side of that, it's almost certain that the eunuch had no fear of God because uh, we're pretty sure at this point he did not know the true God, the God of the Bible, the God that Daniel and his friends served. And likewise with us, when we're dealing with unsaved, we can't necessarily expect the unsaved people to have a fear of God. So that they're not going to think like us. They're not going to behave like us. There's going to be a difference, and we have to understand that. And we have to learn to relate with them and deal with them. But it is obvious here that Daniel feared God. He wanted to obey the law. Um, he, he would not be able to eat the king's meat, which would have been sacrificed to idols. And he would not have been able to drink the king's wine, which would have been undiluted uh, strong drink, which was forbidden as well. So what was left are vegetables and water. Uh, it's the only way he could comply with the law. So... Daniel feared God. He feared God more than he feared the eunuch. He feared God more than he feared the king. And if Daniel was to win over the eunuch, the, he, he couldn't afford to, to show fear. He would have to portray himself as confident in his God and in what his God would accomplish. Uh, this, I think, is a lesson for all of us as we deal with the outside world and the unsaved. We have to be very confident in what we know God will accomplish through His Word, through His will. Uh, God's will is going to be done. And, and He will accomplish. And God will honor our obedience. Every time He will honor our obedience. We can, we can take that to the bank. Now, I, I want to point out how Daniel approached the unit because it was very respectful and humbly done. He was not confrontational. Um, he didn't make demands. He was humble and he was respectful. Uh, he even said, please, in verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. So he gives them kind of, if you would, what we would call today a trial period. And if you don't like it after the trial period, you can cancel free of charge and go back to the original terms. That, that's kind of what Daniel was proposing here. Ten days, give us ten days, and then examine us. Then you do what you want to do after that. So that's a good example we need to be respectful we need to be courteous we need to be gracious to those who are in authority even even when we are opposing them this is a lesson in how we are to act proverbs 16 verse 7 tells us 
When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Daniel's ways obviously pleased the Lord. And those who weren't really interested in Daniel and his friends for anything other than what they could get out of him, uh, still, he made peace between them because Daniel pleased him by his faith and obedience. Throughout Scripture, what you're going to see are, are these brave, courageous people who had to defy authority, had no choice in order to obey God. But in every case, they took a wise approach, they took a gentle approach, they didn't take a confrontational approach. You'll find that nowhere in Scripture, really. They always took this, took this very wise and, and gentle approach. Uh, we can think of the examples of the Hebrew midwives in Exodus uh, chapter 1 where you know that they are told by Pharaoh that they have to kill all the, the, the male Hebrew babies. But they chose not to do that and they did it quietly. They didn't make a big stink about it. They just disobeyed quietly. And, and didn't make a big deal. Uh, the apostles in Acts chapter 4, all of them had to resist the law in order to obey God. And God gave them success. But not always without consequences. And this is another thing we need to remember. We'll see this later on in the book of Daniel. We see it elsewhere in Scripture as, as you know, people are imprisoned and tortured for their beliefs and for their disobedience to civil law because they continue to preach the word of God, um, how Daniel and his friends refused to obey certain laws. When the time comes that you have to do that, you also have to be prepared for the consequences as well because it doesn't mean there won't be consequences. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. Uh, 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 many of the apostles were thrown in prison. Uh, they, were, they were tortured. Same thing with the Old Testament prophets. There were consequences to disobedience. But God honored them each and every time. Doesn't mean that he erased the consequences of it. Things are going to happen to us when we disobey civil authority. Uh, even for the sake of God, things are likely to happen. And, and we have to be prepared for that. Especially as I believe the time is getting closer and closer to the rapture as we, <laughs> um, as it just seems to be things are being put into place to prepare people for the tribulation period and many of the things that will happen there, uh, the plagues, the authoritarian rule, cashless society where the mark of the beast is what you have to have to trade, to buy and sell, to get any food. Um, and, and we see steps in that direction happening even today, kind of, kind of preparation, kind of putting all the pieces in place as if it were a chessboard being set up for that time to finally come. So we're going to find more and more troubles as time progresses. And, and it's going to be more and more opportunity to really examine our faith and ask, am I 
truly honoring God? Am I truly standing for Him? And Daniel is going to be a great example all throughout the book of this. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it, is, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And this should be our mantra, even as we find ourselves in situations where we have to disobey the civil authorities in order to disobey God, we should still seek as much as possible to live peaceably with people. Not to be contentious about it, not to be arrogant about it, not to be confrontational about it, but just simple, humble obedience to our Lord who gave up everything for us so that we could live for him. So next we're going to see that Daniel took a very reasoned approach. As I talked about, he gave that trial period. That's what he proposed. He didn't ask for all or nothing. He didn't say, this is the way it's going to be because my God decrees it. He already knew God was going to come through. So he, so he made this approach that would have sounded very reasonable to the eunuch. And in fact, it did. So Daniel's offer left the decision on whether or not to continue with the diet in the hands of the chief eunuch who was in charge of them. Look, it's your call. Just give us these 10 days. Yeah, please give us these 10 days. Then look at us. Then it's your call. We'll do as you say. And he knew God was going to come through. And God did. And Daniel didn't even ask the eunuch to take any risk that he wasn't willing to take. He knew the consequences of disobedience just as well. I think we need to remember that as well as we deal with the unsaved. We really don't have any right to ask people to take a risk that we ourselves are not willing to take. It's kind of like putting your money where your mouth is. Um, I'm asking you to do something. Am I willing to do it? Well, that's the big question. If I'm not, I've got no right to, to ask you. And we need to keep that in mind as Christians as well. Now, the eunuch, of course, was fearful of disobeying the king. And he had good right to be. But God opened the eunuch to heart to Daniel's, to Daniel's plea. And Daniel found favor with the eunuch. And the eunuch consented, and God's plan is now underway. And this was going to set in a series of events in motion that would last throughout Nebuchadnezzar's reign into the reign of Cyrus the king as the Persian, the Medo-Persian Empire overthrew the Babylonian Empire. And God's plan transcended all of that. So at the end, in the end, Daniel and his friends, they were healthier. They were better looking than all the other young men there. It's really an illustration, I think, of the promise of Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 tells us this. It's going to be very familiar. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God bless them. 
God gave them a good stature and health. His plan was underway because they were obedient. You know, as we look at the interaction here between Daniel and the eunuch, the saved and the unsaved, if you would, Colossians 4 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Daniel certainly made the best use of the time he had. He didn't have a whole lot of time to bring this plan to the eunuch and to get things underway. He made the best use of the time. 1 Thessalonians 4.12 says, That you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Daniel presented himself respectfully, humbly, in obedience to God, in humbleness to the eunuch, and with respect to the eunuch. And in turn, he lacked nothing, him and his friends. In 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to one who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and in fear. As I said, Meekly, if you would, humbly. Daniel came to this eunuch because of his beliefs. In fear of God, he came to this eunuch with this plea because of his beliefs. God honored that. Yeah, we're going to face problems in life. Uh, We're going to need to trust God for our strength and for our courage to face those problems. They're going to come our way. But we need is strength, and we've got to trust God for that. Our motives. And then this is another thing we're going to see. So often, we, we look for God to take us out of a situation, to pull us out of our problem. But if we learn anything through Scripture from the Old Testament prophets, throughout the apostles of the New Testament and Jesus Christ himself, God doesn't always pull us out of a problem. And in fact, that's probably the least common thing he does when we face problems and trials. He doesn't pull us out of them. He walks us through them. So, but so often we ask God to remove a problem from us or to to take us out of a problem. I don't think that should be our motive. If we learn anything from Scripture, we know that's not typically the way God acts. But instead, maybe our question should be not how can I get out of this, but what can I get out of this? What is God trying to tell me? What is God trying to teach me through this? What is God's plan? Where is this head? And look to God for the strength to get through it. God blessed the obedience of these four young men in a huge way. Uh, And he gave them, he blessed them with knowledge and gifts that would serve them well in the coming years. And look, God's willing to bless you with knowledge and gifts uh, that will fit the plan that he has for you, that you can use effectively in that plan for you. And what he did for these young men is he gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And these were the things that they were going to need as they would serve the king.
throughout the coming years, many years. None of them started out with this knowledge. God blessed them with this knowledge. They made up their mind to be obedient, and God rewarded them with the attributes that they would need in order to stay obedient. They decided they were going to be obedient. God says, here you go. This is what you're going to need to continue to be obedient throughout throughout this time. When we make up our mind to obediently follow God, He's going to give us what we need to do that. The path may not necessarily be easy. Often it won't be. But He's going to give us what we need once we make up our mind to do that. Now, our rewards might not be the same as what they got, of course. But they'll be what we need based on our situation that we are in. Okay, so the eunuch agrees. The ten days are up. Now what? This is it. They, they excelled. He found them better looking than all the others. So they continued on with this diet. And now we come to the end of it. God had allowed them to successfully deal with the, with the chief of the eunuchs. <laughs> but, but now it was time to face the king. Here comes the real test. What's the king going to think? This is where God shines through. These boys, they excelled in everything. In every test, in every examination that was thrown at them by the king, they excelled. The king was incredibly impressed. Uh, they They received positions within the king's court. Daniel received a particularly lofty position. You know, Daniel and his friends, they were forced to study things that were contrary to their faith. The world puts a lot of stuff in front of us. There are a lot of things we have to deal with that are contrary to and offensive to our faith. But they're part of the world, they're in the world, and we have to deal with them. We have to learn to deal with them wisely. Just as Daniel and his friends did through the filter of the Word of God, just like Daniel and his friends did. So that we don't come become corrupted by those things. We see them for what, we, what they are. We're able to navigate them. We're able to accept that they exist. We don't have to necessarily accept them, but accept that they exist and learn how to deal with them and not become corrupted by them because we're viewing them through the filter of the Word of God. Uh, that the Word of God will filter everything that comes through us. This is what Daniel and his friends allowed to happen, for everything to be filtered through the Word of God. So yes, they were forced to study things and learn things contrary to their faith, but they excelled in their studies because of their faithfulness to God. Um, I, I think we can probably assume they had a good godly foundation up to the time that they were taken captive as teenagers. Um And that's a great thing. It's never too early in life to lay a foundation with our children and to give them the discernment that they need not to be corrupted. Our kids today, they're they're forced to learn a lot of things which go contrary to the Word of God. A whole lot of things that are contrary to our faith. Uh, Yeah, Evolution, for example, is the law of the land as far as most people or many people, not I won't say most, but many people are concerned. 
Um, we're force-fed it. This is the state-sponsored religion of the day. Our children are forced to learn these things. But that doesn't mean that they have to be corrupted by it. The foundation has to be laid. Parents have a, an awesome responsibility in front of them. Um, so that they don't become brainwashed. They don't become corrupted. But they stand firm on that solid rock that is Jesus Christ. The creator. The redeemer. The one who gave everything so that we can serve him. So that we can stand on faith. So that we can be unmovable like that tree that's planted by the water. I shall not be moved. He withheld nothing for us. Not a thing. So in turn, we should withhold nothing from him. And these boys... These boys were found to be ten times better than the king's wisest people. People with years and years of experience under their belts. And these young boys, ten times wiser, ten times better. You know, you can get training and education to make a living and to do a job, but it, it takes a bit more than that for a ministry to God. For God's ministry, you're going to need His strength. His gifts, faith in Him, trust in Him. And that's exactly, that's exactly what these four had. Daniel and his friends, they proved themselves, and not through compromise. They didn't try to blend in. I mean, do you, do you notice that? That's another thing we do so often today. We try to blend in with those around us so as to not cause offense. Let me tell you something. Jesus couldn't walk this earth and preach and teach without causing offense. And if he couldn't do it, we can't do it. We're certainly not better than he is. Daniel and his friends, they didn't worry about looking different and eating different food. That wasn't their concern. Their concern was obedience to God. And you know what? They did look different. They looked better. That was the difference. They looked better. As Christians, we should look different than everybody else. And we should look better in a way that when people look at us, they want what we have. As they see us go through trials and tribulations, and handle things and go through things in a godly manner with a godly faith. They should be able to look at us and say, I, I want that kind of perseverance. I want that kind of strength. I want that kind of faith. Because that can only be found through Jesus Christ. And so when we display that, it's going to look very different from what you see anywhere else in the world. So we shouldn't we shouldn't be looking to blend in. We should embrace looking different from the world. In a good way, in a godly way. Not in a mean spirited confrontational way. We're not going to find that anywhere in the scripture. 
But in a wise and humble and godly manner, we should be we should desire to look different and not to blend in. So when Daniel's friends didn't, they didn't do it through compromise. They did it by strict obedience to God. And the difference was evident. With God's help, they received gifts that would allow them to excel the rest of their lives. In fact, Daniel made it through the Babylonian Empire into the Persian Empire, ended up, ended up serving Cyrus, the king of the Medo-Persian Empire, who some years later would conquer the Babylonian Empire. Matter of fact, it was uh, Cyrus of Persia captured, conquered Babylon in 539 B.C. That was some 66 years after Daniel had been taken captive. So at that time, Daniel would have been more than 80 years old and once again found himself in the king's court serving the king. The lives of these four young men were forever changed. Changed in a way that would cause them to be able to thousands of years later, be speaking to us through the Scriptures, written about them and their faith and the prophecies of Daniel, thousands of years later. Here we are, and they're still making an impact. So their faith, four people, so long ago, has been an amazing thing and has lasted and it has endured. But you know what? There's no reason our faith cannot last and endure just the same. We not be we might not be part of the Bible, but we can impact people, draw them to Christ, who impact others and draw them to Christ and exponentially end up increasing the kingdom of God. A faith that persists from generation to generation on and on and on and on. Uh, the end result of which would probably be mind-boggling if you could see it all added up. So there's no reason why our faith cannot endure. Just the same. But we have to make up our minds not to compromise. We have to make up our minds to be obedient to God. We have to make up our mind to trust Him and we have to be mindful of how we deal with the outside world. It needs to be done in a, in a spirit of meekness and fear and humility. So, when I stand up here and I share the word of God with you, that is my goal. For something to happen, for something to change, and, and, and for, for the change to persist as a ripple effect through people. So, not directly from me, but, but, but in, indirectly, and, and it's the same for each of you. I'm not up here to get an attaboy at the end of service, uh, or not even to hear, preacher, that was a good message, but to see a change, both in myself, because I preach to myself as much as anybody else, a change both in myself, and a change in, in you guys 
that will spread to others and then to others and then to others and then to others. Making everyone a part of some lasting faith that was instilled by Jesus Christ himself that is fueled by the Holy Spirit and that persists by the grace of God forever and ever throughout eternity. It's about seeing hearts stirred. It's about seeing lives changed. It's about the Word of God stirring you into commitment. It doesn't have to be some big action. It doesn't have to be some big thing that you do. Yeah, Daniel and his friends, they never organized any big events. They never held a church service. <laughs> they prayed. They were obedient. They were not ashamed of the Word of God. And they had an impact that went on and on and on. And that's really sometimes just how, I don't know if simple is the right word, but, but in concept, that's how simple it is sometimes. It's obedience. Now, the, the act itself may not always be simple. But, but, but that's it. Seeing hearts stirred, seeing lives changed, that's what it's about. It's about seeing people make these deep commitments and develop a closer walk with Jesus Christ. It's about igniting a passion for Christ and sharing His Word with the lost. That doesn't have to come with a lot of fanfare. But that's how revival starts. And that's what it's about ultimately. We saw obedience in the scripture. We saw it tested and we saw the payoff. So, so really, as we close out, again, as always, you're faced with a choice. Will I choose to stand in obedience to God? Will I choose to stand in obedience to my Lord and Savior who withheld nothing from me? Like I said, you don't have to plan some grand event or, or do some big thing. It's as simple as standing firm on the Word of God, trusting Him, maybe sharing the gospel with people here and there, praying, trusting, and loving God in the way He deserves to be loved. That's really what it's all about. Would you guys join with me in prayer?